welcome to the Cory Doctorow podcast on a busy Sunday morning. I have just come from taking my kid to a sports practice, and I'm about to take my wife to the airport. And in between, I'm about to attend, very sadly, a memorial for my cousin who died last week. And uh, while I have a few minutes, I'm recording a podcast for you. As I mentioned, my wife is going out of town. She's got a conference to go to, and spring break is about to start. So midway through the week, I'm going to go and join her with our daughter for spring break and a few days away as a family. And then I come back, and next week I fly straight to Brussels, and I'm going to be speaking on March 31st at Charles River Associates Conference, Competition and Regulation in Disrupted Times. I believe the live stream from that is free. It's a very all-star antitrust event. If that's your kind of thing, you should have a look. If you go to pluralistic.net and look at upcoming appearances, you'll find a link there. I'm also keynoting the um, Emerging Technologies for the Enterprise Conference in Philadelphia. I'm going to do that remotely on April 19th, and my talk will be called Seize the Means of Computation. Well, this week, before I get to the reading, I have a recommendation for you, which is if you're a Talking Heads fan like I am, and if you're not, I don't know why you listen to my podcast, because basically I'm a Talking Heads fan first and a human being second. I have just discovered something I didn't know was there, although it's been around for a long time. It's something called the Talking Heads Down Mix, and it is a remix of some remastered Talking Heads tracks that were apparently ripped from mini discs. (laughs) (laughs) and that are rebalanced to account for the bad mixing that is the product of what's called the loudness wars. This is where, uh, starting in the jukebox era and then progressing through radio and then CD, we saw increasingly loud waveforms as engineers goose them to make them stand out in crowded, noisy places, and you lose a lot of the nuance in the music. And listening to this new downmix, this 5-1 downmix, I have rediscovered how much I love Talking Heads. I included a link to that today on Pluralistic in a new section of Pluralistic called Hey, Look at This. My friend Mitch Wagner pointed out that Pluralistic lacks something that I used to do a lot on Boing Boing, which is point to funny, silly things. And I realized that the reason I don't do that is there's not really a thread to be written about something that's just fun and cool that you should look at. And so I started this new section called Hey, Look at This, which is between zero and three links a day. And today's is about this Talking Heads Down Mix. So if you look through the Pluralistic archive for the 20th of March, you'll find that in the Hey, Look at This section. The other thing that I would mention is that I've sort of worked on a new project with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a video script for something we're calling Interoperable Facebook, although I'll have a cooler name for it when it launches, that's going to be a project showing what it would be like to use Facebook if they were forced to federate with third-party services. I've really got the bit in my teeth on that. I've got two or 3,000 words written last week, and I'm just going to keep hammering away at it. And then we're going to record a video and do lots of cool animations, and we'll also release it as a text file, PDF, web page that will embed some of those animations. So I hope you'll keep your eyes peeled for that. I think that a lot of the times our debate about what federation and interoperability could mean for user self-determination and social media gets lost. And so this is really trying to help people recover the imagination that was stolen from them when we let Facebook and the other big tech platforms take over the internet. So speaking of theories of change, that brings me to today's reading. I'm going to be reading to you one of my recent Medium columns that revisits a theme that I've written about for many years, the theme of peak indifference, which is kind of how I think of 
how society changes, what the risks are of letting it change on its own rather than trying to intervene, and what kind of interventions make a difference. And I was inspired to write this because a friend of mine cited peak indifference in a paper he was writing, and his colleagues asked for an explanation, and I realized he didn't understand it. (laughs) And so I thought, oh, I better take another crack at it and write it up. And so this is my crack at re-explaining it, maybe in a way that makes it clearer. All right, then, without further ado, from doctoro.medium.com, this is What is Peak Indifference? A Theory and a Plan for Change. Back in 2016, I coined the term peak indifference to describe a political phenomenon when people who have denied an urgent problem begin to self-radicalize, not because of activists or public education, but because the problem is caught up with them personally. As I've written here before, a neat microcosm of peak indifference is smoking. Even if you convince yourself that tobacco isn't bad for you, if you keep smoking long enough, you will likely come to understand that it is very bad for you, because stage 4 lung cancer is convincing in a way that even the most persuasive talk with your family doctor can never be. This week, a friend wrote to me to get me to explain this theory again. They'd been struck by it, but struggled to apply it to their own analysis of what's going on around us, with all the problems that are clearly urgent but do not spark action, like nuclear disarmament, climate action, or inequality. Foundationally, indifference is a predictable response to problems whose causal relationship is obscure. For example, climate change. If you can't tell for sure that driving to the corner store for a pint of milk will cause you to drown in a deluge in 50 years, it's easy not to care about it. Note that this is a separate but related phenomenon to hyperbolic discounting that is treating distant harms as less salient because they're far off in the future. The job of activists confronting this class of problem is to turn indifference into opposition. But if a problem is real, e.g. climate change, and activists fail to mobilize a timely and effective response, then the problem will mount until the number of people who are indifferent begins to decline of its own accord, without any external pressure from activists. Everyone whose house is washed away in a flood, or whose town is incinerated by a wildfire, becomes a climate change partisan without having to be persuaded by an activist. Personal trauma is the ultimate persuader. The problems with relying on peak indifference to mobilize a response to a problem are twofold. One, peak indifference may arrive after the point of no return. When that happens, it's easy to turn to nihilism. Well, I guess my doctor was right all along. These cigarettes did give me stage 4 lung cancer. Guess it's too late to quit now. 2. Peak indifference doesn't in and of itself mobilize an effective response. Trauma can hinder reason. If your town is incinerated by a wildfire, it might inspire you to become an eco-fascist, advocating for zero immigration and conquest of high-lying territories abroad to protect you and your fellow Americans from the coming collapse of the habitable Earth. The activist mission implied by this analysis is twofold. 1. Hasten the moment of peak indifference. Foment protests, art, especially speculative fiction, either utopian, we can do this, or dystopian, we must do this, or else. Conduct education, or do anything else that makes the distant risk 
more present in the minds of the still indifferent. And two, direct the response of people who are mobilized by trauma into productive directions, countering eco-fascist narratives of lifeboat rules with climate justice, remediation, and land healing. If something cannot go on forever, it will stop. Activists don't have to do anything to get people to care about nuclear annihilation, the climate emergency, or political corruption. We can just hang around and wait for those problems to become so undeniable that everyone figures out on their own that this stuff demands action. But we shouldn't, because the point of peak indifference may well arrive past the point of no return. All right, then. Well, thank you very much. I know it was a short one this week. i got to get to that memorial service. I hope you have a great week, and I hope you check out that Talking Heads mix. I'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Cory Doctor Podcast, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, US 3.0. Or as Woody Guthrie put it in another context, this song is copyrighted in the U.S. under seal of copyright 154085 for a period of 28 years, and anyone caught singing it without our permission will be a mighty good friend of ours, because we don't give a dern. Publish it, write it, sing it, swing to it, yodel it, we wrote it, that's all we wanted to do. Many thanks to John Taylor Williams for mastering. That's Rynex Studio, W-R-Y-N-E-C-K Studio at gmail.com. John Taylor Williams is a full-time self-employed audio engineer, producer, composer, and sound designer. In his free time, he makes beer, jewelry, odd musical instruments, and furniture. He likes to meditate, to read, and to cook. Talk to you next week.